saved by grace. I want you to know I have heard that concept all my life. All my life. I wish that I could say that I understood what it meant to be saved by grace all my life. But there's been this progression with this concept of saved by grace. And maybe you could identify with my journey in grace. I was raised in a very, very conservative church. And I want to let you know that I am so grateful for my heritage. I learned so many wonderful things from my heritage. I'm grateful for it. But when it came to talking about the Holy Spirit and grace, that was usually done by denominations. It's not that we didn't mention grace. It was just that we really emphasize more of works in that concept. As I got older, I began to encounter this subject of grace, and it, and it looks something like this. There would be this phrase that said, we are saved by grace. And we, we sort of had to say that because I, it's in the Bible. But as if the pause was going to change the meaning or we would misunderstand grace, there were usually two phrases that went behind that we are saved by grace. And the first one went something like this. Hey, yes, you're saved by grace. That doesn't mean you, can't do, you have to do good works. And the second phrase that usually came was, yes, we're saved by grace, but you could fall from grace. And I want to let you know that that just confused me more. It just confused me more. And then a little bit later on, I was listening to this preacher. I don't know who it was. And all of a sudden he says, I want to define grace for you. And I thought, and here we go. Yeah, okay, good. I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready. And so he starts out in 1 John chapter 1, verse 5, where it says, it says this, In God, I declare to you that God is light, and in Him there is no darkness at all. And then the statement was made, you have to be 100% in order to have fellowship with God. And at that moment in time, I knew that I was in trouble. But he went on with the explanation, and he said something like this. He goes, here's what grace is. You do your part, and Monty asked me about this in preaching team meeting. He goes, why is God's part only 30 in the other? And I go, I don't know. It was the way the illustration was, all right? And he goes, listen, we do our part, and God's part is grace, and you add those together, and guess what you get? A hundred percent. And I go, oh, so I do my part, and God does his part, and there's the hundred percent. There's only one problem with this. It's so unbiblical. <laughs> it is really, really bad. And I didn't really realize that till I started studying about God's mercy and his grace, how absurd and unbiblical this illustration was. And I'm grateful for the progression of grace in my life. I'm amazed by the gift of the beauty of grace. I, and, I, and so today, here's what I want to talk about. 
I want to talk about saved by grace. So what does it mean when we say saved by grace? And so in today's lesson, I want to just explore that powerful and beautiful concept by a man who desperately needed and received grace, and that is the Apostle Paul. I want you to turn to Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10, and we're going to read this passage. Ephesians 2, yes, get your Bible, phone, whatever, get your, let's start, we're going to read together. Here we go. As for you, and you can just put your name in there, just put your name. As for you, Bill, you were dead in your transgressions and sin in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of air. The spirit that is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts like the rest. We were by nature objects of wrath, but thank God for verse 4. But because of his great love... For us and God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in our transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For his, by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not from yourselves. It is a gift of God and not by works, so that no one could boast. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. As to emphasize the essentiality of grace... Two times in ten verses, he says this, You have been saved by grace. But packed around those phrases is the definition of what it means to be saved by grace. And the first thing we have to come to grips with is this, We were our dead. We were dead. Paul pulls no punches here. He makes this statement, he says, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. The word he uses here is very, very interesting. It is where we get the word necros. Necros means this, we were a corpse, we were lifeless, we were inactive to respect to doing anything right. There was no action we could take to remedy our situation. We were are dead outside of Christ. And then he uses two words. Well, here's what's really horrible about this. We're dead outside of Christ by our own hands. He uses the word transgressions and he uses the word sins. Transgression is this whole idea of this. It is the idea of slipping and falling. And sin is the idea of missing the mark. But it didn't really, doesn't really matter which term that you do. We were dead. But not only were we dead, we were really dead. And I know that doesn't make sense, but let me explain further. We were living dead. And I know our society has really 
sort of corrupted that and made it really good. But we were living dead. And, and here's what that means is this. Notice how he uses the word there. It says that Satan, who is the kingdom of the ruler of the air, is at work in those who are disobedient. That at work in those who are disobedient is where we get the word energized. Energized. And I know we don't like to think about this, but when we were outside of Jesus Christ, we were energized by Satan. We were energized by him. And we were energized into a horrible, horrible selfishness. I want you to notice verse 3 again, and I want to read it again. And I want you to see how this horrible selfishness is described. It's horrible. It goes something like this. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of the simple nature and following its desires and thoughts. It means this. We had a selfishness that was ruled by our passions and our wishes of our sinful desires. We pursued our own desires independent from God. And a selfishness that said this, it tainted every part of our lives. We weren't just dead, we were really dead. We were really dead. And because we were dead and we lived according to our selfish desires, there was only one thing God could do. He labeled us as children of wrath... And he treated us. We were deserving, in other words, we were deserving the wrath of God. In practical terms, here's what this looks like. We've got to stop comparing. We've got to stop making this statement. At least I'm not as bad as so-and-so. We've, we've just got to stop saying that. And here's the one I grabbed hold of because I was raised around the church is, at least I'm a good church kid. No, I was not. I wasn't a good church kid. And the other thing in practical terms we have to start doing is this. We've got to stop categorizing sin. All sin leads to death. All sin leads to death. I like this quote by Jared C. Wilson from his book, The Gospel According to Satan. To understand the depths of God, God's mercy, we must face the honest, honestly the depths of our depravity. If we're ever going to understand grace, we need to understand that we were dead and we were really dead. And there was nothing good about us. And if it was left there, this would be a sad, sad day, right? But verse 4, verse 4, but because of his great love and his mercies for us, he made us alive. And not just any life, but life in Christ. Life in Christ. And I want you to know that before before God's act, we were just corpses, incapable of reviving ourselves. But I want you to notice the action of the verbs. Have you noticed the action of the verbs there in this passage? 
Watch the actions of the verbs. Know where the action is. Know where the action is in these verbs. And none of it is with us. It's all with God. Notice this. God made us alive. God raised us up. God seated us in the heavenly realms. It was all done by God. It is a gift of God. And since it's an action of God, here's what Paul emphasizes twice. He says this, it's not from us and it's not from works. And here's what I want to conclude is this, with this thought. There is nothing. There is nothing in us. Nor is there any work we could do that brings salvation. It is all done by God. Not only were we alive, but we, we were really alive. Just like we were really dead, we're really alive. And, God, and Paul continues on in chapter 6 through 10. And he says, <coughs> he says, I want you to know there is some gifts of grace that make us really alive. And the first one he says is, I want you to know that we are really alive in the heavenly realms. And you go, what do you mean by that, Paul, is this? We have a new place of existence. And while our bodies may be here on this earth, we are heavenly people with a heavenly focus and with a heavenly purpose and with a heavenly perspective. That's what it means to be in the heavenly realms. And not only that, is this, is that we are really alive because we are God's workmanship. And the idea here is this, that God just didn't make us alive. Here's what He did. He saved us, and then He is creating on us this beautiful poem and art of work. Work of art. Oops, I said that wrong. Work of art. He's creating. That's what he's doing when it says we are God's workmanship. It's not just enough to be alive, but God's going, listen, let me take your life, and I'm going to create something really, really beautiful here with this. I'm going to create this really beautiful work of art here. And finally, the other gift of grace is that we could do good works. That we don't have to do bad. We don't have to do evil. We don't have to do... We could do actually good works that God has prepared in advance for us to do. Let me read this to you. It's called... And it's, it's... What does it mean to be saved by grace? Saved by grace is this. Listen carefully. It means that we were spiritually dead. Not only were we spiritually dead, but we were controlled by Satan to live selfish and sinful lives. God's wrath rested on us because of our horrible spiritual condition. In our death and in our sinfulness, God, because of His love and mercy, made us a spir a spiritually alive in Christ Jesus. Grace allows us to exist in the heavenly realm and become beautiful works of God, doing good works for Him. And that's what it means to be saved by grace. And we say as a church, what? And we say what? Amen. 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 Grace is beautiful, isn't it? And yet... 
I got to let you know, it was real hard for me to understand that. And I had this distorted view of grace. And, and it just wasn't me. I mean, if you go back to Scripture, really, there is this grace distorted. And it really comes through sort of two veins here. The first one is this. Is I got to work in order to be saved. And the second vein is this. Now that I have grace, I get to do what I want to do. But let's, let's explore the first one is this. The first distortion is this. If I work hard, He will save me. If I work hard, He will save me. And this distortion of grace is rooted in the belief of this. We, nothing is for free. And we understand that when it comes to get-rich schemes and unbelievable deals, but we also hold that true when it comes when we're ta- our discussion about grace sometimes. And that is this. There is nothing for free. And if I'm going to be saved, I've, I've got to do some work for that salvation. And the early church really struggled with this also. It's just not us. Acts chapter 10, the Gentiles are included into the kingdom of God. And by Acts chapter 15, there was such a stir because the Jewish Christians were not happy about the concept of only Gentiles coming in, but the requirements for being saved. And the Jewish Christians were saying something like this, you have to do circumcision and baptism in order to be saved. And it got to the point where in Acts chapter 15, they had to have the Jerusalem council where they came out and they said, no, that's not right. It's grace without works. Paul would go so far as to say, as the church in Galatia was struggling with this in Galatians chapter 5 and verse 4, he would say something like this, If you try and observe the law for your salvation, you have fallen from grace. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 4. And we struggle with this distortion of grace. And and let me tell you why I think we do. We work in a system of a real strong, there's a strong ethic, this work system where you do good works and you get something for it. And usually that is true in some respects, but it's not true when it comes to grace. It is not true when it comes to grace. And we even have that a little bit within the Christian mindset is is that, you know, if I do good things for God, then God is going to do... It's there. But is this, it is this distortion... That we cannot do any act, any deed, any work to get salvation. Grace is accessed by my faith in Jesus Christ and not by works. The second distortion is found in Romans chapter 6. And this distortion says this, Since he saved me, I don't have to stop sinning. I get to do what I want. In Romans chapter 6, here's what was going on at the beginning. And we use Romans 6 a lot for talking about baptism. And and I'm grateful for that. But in reality, Romans chapter 6 is really talking about grace and sinning. And Paul, and what's going on here in their minds is this. Okay, now wait a minute. If I sin, that means grace increases. 
I'm getting this. I'm getting the equation now. So if I sin more, that means I get more what? Grace. Oh, I get this, Paul. Paul writes to him and says, listen, you can't do that. Don't you know that you have died to sin when you were baptized into Christ? You have died to sin? And you can't live in sin any longer. That equation of sin more, more grace, doesn't work because you have died to sin. Dietrich Bonhoeffer would say this, and I know this is a long quote, but I wanted to put it up. Dietrich Bonhoeffer would say, this is cheap grace. Listen to this quote. Cheap grace is the grace we bestow on ourselves. Cheap grace is the preaching of forgiveness without requiring repentance, baptism without church discipline, communion without confession. Cheap grace is grace without discipleship, grace without the cross, grace without Jesus Christ living and incarnate. And that's the second distortion of grace. God's grace means this, I am dead to sin and I can't live in it any longer. So the question is this, if this is saved by grace, what it is, and this is the distortion of it, how do I appreciate the grace in my life? Bill, what do I do to show my great appreciation for the gift that God has given me? And Paul answers that for us. And what's really interesting, the first thing he says is, grace is appreciated by working hard for God. Turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 10. Notice what he says there. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 10. He says this, But by the grace of God I am what I am, and His grace to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them, yet not I but the grace of God that was with me. Isn't it interesting? Isn't it interesting? The guy, Paul, who wrote about the abuses and the distortion of grace and not being saved by works, comes in and says this, in appreciation of grace, here's what I want you to do. I want you to work really hard. And you know that work there? Let me tell you what that word, listen to this. It means this. He labored mentally and physically to the point of weariness. He toiled all because of grace. I like what Dallas Willard said about this. He said, Grace is not opposed to effort. It is opposed to earning it, though. And you know what that means for us as grace people? We should be the hardest working people in the whole wide world. And not for earning it, but because of grace. And I've decided to do something. I don't want to have a strong work ethic any longer. You know what I want to have? I want to have a strong grace ethic. Amen? I want to have a strong grace ethic. And that's how I appreciate the grace in my life. 
I work as hard as I can for the Lord. The second way we appreciate grace is this. It is through living a holy life. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 9 and 10 says this. He has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we have done, but because of His own purpose and grace. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus for the beginning of time, but has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus. And I like this word call here. You know what the word call there is? It's an invitation. It is not an invitation to a party or a birthday party or to anything. It's the best invitation in the whole wide world. And the invitation is this. It is from God. And he says this, I want you to live a holy life. I'm inviting you to do that because of grace. Because of grace, I want to call you to a holy life. And in practical terms, it means this for us. Grace means I look less and less like the world and more and more like Christ. Right? Less and less like the world and more and more like Christ. And that is how we show our appreciation for the great grace. We work real hard and we live a holy life. Today, I want you to know that you could be saved by grace. And I want you to listen to this very, very carefully. Because sometimes we dismiss our invitation. And I don't want you to dismiss this today. I want you to know this, is that you could be saved by grace, by, saved by grace. And the free gift of grace is bestowed and received. We receive it and is bestowed on us in the working of God as we take our faith and we are immersed into Jesus Christ. Did you hear how that works? I probably shouldn't have said works. You see how that grace works? I, some of you caught it, you know. Some of you have to catch up here just a little bit. It's this. It is taking our faith into the working of God and being immersed into Christ. And at that moment in time, we receive the free gift of God of grace. So today, if you're struggling with grace, there's a lot of people around here, we're, we're working on that. And we could help you with that journey. But if you've not accepted God's working of grace by being baptized into Him, you need to do that today as we stand and as we sing.